1: Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by micro pigs wearing those tiny little rubber boots. Instead, it's brought to you by dogs wearing tiny rubber boots. No, just kidding. But you might get to meet something like that at CrimeCon 2017 where there will be actual sniffer dogs that you can meet, which is so cool. We're going to be there. Lots of other podcasts are going to be there. Um, you can go to CrimeCon.com and if you buy tickets and you use Sideways20, the promo code, you can get 20% off your tickets, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's going to be June 9th through June 11th, 2017 in Indianapolis at the J. w Marriott. So join us, crimecon.com, and uh, Sideways20 is that code for you to get 20% off. And thanks.
2: Thinking sideways.
0: brought the aliens. and then what they do? I don't know.
2: Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hi there, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. Um, I'm your host, Joe, uh, joined this week, as always, by Devin and Steve. And uh, of course, as usual, we're going to talk about another really awesome mystery.
1: Yay! Yeah.
2: Yeah, and this is, uh, i sort of poaching on Steve's territory here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a crashed airplane. That's nah. usually that's usually what Steve does. Yeah. He does our airplane mysteries. But ha, ha, ha. You
0: take boats. I take airplanes. Yeah. You do this. Uh-huh. All right, the field is open. Uh-huh. Next week, sinking a ship.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's going to cover a submarine mystery.
0: Wait, you're
1: going to sink a ship? Shh. No. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah,
2: this is our mystery. What sank that aircraft <laughs> carrier next week? Well, okay, back to our mystery here. Um, our plane uh, that crashed was a World War II vintage C-47 Dakota airplane. Uh, the Dakota was actually known as also the Skytrain.
0: Which, which is an which, awesome name. I love it. Mm-hmm. Skytrain. <laughs>
2: Skytrain. <laughs> Skytrain. Okay, sorry. Sorry, lost it. Oh, where was I? Okay, so... But then the US government uh gave about 2000 of these things to the to the British and also the Commonwealth countries during World War II under the Lend-Lease program and for some reason those planes which as far as I know were the same got renamed the Dakota which is and nothing against Dakota it's a cool name too but it's not quite as awesome as Skytrain
0: no yeah. no. Well, no you did you see how they think that came about
2: Yeah yeah it was it was actually an acronym kind right. of a, con- yeah. a condensation some other words yeah yeah, so, but anyway, we don't care. It's a Dakota. Well, that's good enough. Our plane crashed not too long after takeoff. I'm thinking a couple of minutes, maybe a little more, in November 1973. And it was not just any old plane. It was a spy plane.
0: That's but, why you're doing what? this. Uh-huh. Because it's got spy in it.
2: Oh, no, wait a second. I'm sorry. I misread that. It's a spy plants. <laughs> um, okay. And, <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Uh, <and laughs> okay, spy plane. Uh, and then it was codenamed Argo 16 which I think is kind of a cool name. I like yeah. Ar- mm-hmm. Ar- Argo 16, but that's that really was its code name.
0: It's definitely not that uh Ben Affleck movie.
2: No, it's not Argo, different no. thing entirely. Yep. Different part of the world even. Pretty close. Not close. yeah, it's not that Mostly. far away from Iran. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, but like I said, it was a spy plane. It was operated by the Italian SID, which is short for Military Intelligence and Security Service in English and then in something Italian. else. They yeah. use different words in Italian for which some is reason. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get that, but All right. But also by the CIA, apparently some sort of joint uh, project. Apparently it also had a multitude of various blackout missions, but its primary purpose was essentially to be a big flying radar detector, Hmm. at least ostensibly, if I can steal a word from you.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as you're using it correctly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Exactly. Uh, So its mission on November 23rd, 1973 was to fly up and down the coast of Yugoslavia over the Adriatic Sea monitoring radar emissions and i'll leave it i'm sure we have at least one spook listening to uh to us he's going to email me and, cor- and correct me on this but essentially what these planes do is they want to know about changes in radar behavior uh so if there's a flurry of activity well maybe that means something we can try to like you know, suss that out or maybe they're building new radar installations well maybe that means something too. maybe they're building an air base somewhere god knows what and best of all a whole new type of radar uh, if they just detect one of those, like let's say they installed a new Soviet air defense system, for example, and that's going to have a radar that's going to be attached to it. NATO's probably going to want to know about that, yeah. right? Yeah. And, of course, they're going to want to test the radar, and really they have to. And, of course, you want to have an asset somewhere, whether it's a plane, submarine, something. And that's one of the things submarines don't do. A lot of people don't realize that is they just hang out undetected off enemy shores and just sniff radars and stuff like that.
1: Just chill some, underwater.
2: Some, yeah, just sort of chill, keep an eye on things, and just see what uh, you know, what radars they're lighting up and whatnot. But according to what I've heard, Argo-16 was a little bit more than a radar detector. Uh, it, it did some other special ops missions, and it makes a little bit of sense because you can't do the same thing every day with a spy plane because then the Yugoslavians get used to the idea that Argo-16 is going to be hanging out off its shores, between
0: the hours of 2 and 5 p.m. Every, every day. day.
2: Yeah. And so, well, they're just not going to send you anything useful if you do that. So you've got to mix it up a little bit.
0: Or they're going to spoof you even worse. They can mm. do that,
2: too. Yeah. Uh, so, so they mixed it up a little bit for Argo 16, apparently. And uh, so it was sent on out missions to transport armaments, uh, ferried special ops guys around Italy, and it gave the occasional PFLP terrorist a ride to Libya. Uh, More on that later Okay I was going to ask What that is Uh, PFLP And actually uh, PFLP is Popular Front For the Liberation Of Palestine It's a PLO Yeah uh, they sort of became uh, affiliated with the PLO later. It's a complicated Okay, thing, yeah. No, you know?
0: the, that whole area is really complicated, and I know I'm probably going to pepper you with a whole bunch of questions.
2: Yeah, I, I don't even know if the PFLP is still around, actually. Oh, Devin, what's the question? Uh,
1: um, are they actual terrorists, like, operating outside of the law? Of yeah. Suicide, yeah. killing?
2: Well, yeah, the PFLP was... Um, or are and, they, and, like, guerrilla warfare? So, uh, they were more more terrorists. They were they were sort of oriented towards hijacking airplanes. Uh, okay. I, I would say that compared to what we call terrorists today, they mm-hmm. were they were pretty civilized.
1: Okay. But still um, created terror to inflict. Change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, okay. they, to they, achieve
2: a goal. Yeah, they, they did. I just wanted
1: to make sure that we weren't.
2: But like for example, uh, they hijacked four planes in September 1970, mm-hmm. which I might mention a little bit later on. Okay. They hijacked them from Europe, took them to Jordan, and parked them in this this desert airfield called Dawson Field, mm-hmm. where they let most of them go, kept about sixty of them hostage for a long time, and uh, and then eventually evacuated them, blew the planes up, mm-hmm. and this was a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was considered you know ultra horrible terrorism, but all the hostages eventually eventually were released unharmed. they? Okay. And so by the standards of today, well, that was pretty damn civilized, really. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, nobody okay. got killed. Nobody I just got wanted to cut. make sure
1: that we weren't just calling, you know, we weren't just throwing certain the term groups around. of people. Yeah, yeah, terrorists. So that's fine.
2: Well, they were certainly called terrorists at the time. Okay. But, you know, I but they almost make me nostalgic for the old days of terrorism, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, right. anyway, uh, so our, back to Argus 16. Uh, it was based in Italy.
0: I have a question, Joe. Yeah. Why does the script have a question for me to ask, what is Italy?
2: Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's a place where they keep the Italians.
1: Some uh, of us have escaped.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Italy is a country uh, on the south side of Europe. It smells Sh- like a boot. It's
0: <laughs> uh, shaped like a boot. It, it doesn't, doesn't smell, smell like, like a, a boot. boot. Well, oh,
1: some days it does smell oh, like I'm a Oh, I'm sorry.
2: I misread the script. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So it's shaped like a boot. Okay. <laughs> so that's Italy. Um <laughs> And, of course, it is right across the Adriatic Sea from Yugoslavia. And, oh, by the way, this is our mystery tie-in for this week. The Adriatic Sea has also been proposed as one of the many, many possible sites for the lost city of Atlantis, which, and I'm not lying. Somebody, oh, I believe it. Somebody has seriously proposed the Adriatic Sea. Yeah, Atlantis is down there somewhere. Um, and, of course, along with, like, 24,000 other possible sites, there's a mm-hmm. lot of them out there. Uh, and, and, of course, Argo 16 wasn't just anywhere in Italy. It was stationed in Venice. Mm. Yeah. Which I don't know. Have You been to Venice? I have. Yeah. Well, what do you think?
1: It was nice. It's small, kind of like a boot.
2: hmm Kind of like a boot. Yeah. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> okay.
1: Giant rats. Huge. Giant, rats. How
2: big are we talking about? German shepherds? Yeah. Really?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Good you you remember a a Princess Bride?
2: That size? Oh, yeah. really? Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I hear Venice is pretty. You know, you know, you never see it's those beautiful. in the postcards, do you? No. No. I, mm. No. I've 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 seen pictures. It looks pretty friggin' awesome. I got to yep. go there someday soon. But now, uh, anyway, for those of you who haven't heard of, uh, of Venice, it is the city that floats, and actually, it doesn't quite float. But it's kind of it's in the actually
1: middle. kind of sinking. Yeah, it slowly, is. slowly sinking.
2: Yeah, the city that almost floats. And believe it or not, Venice has an airport, which, uh, believe it or not, is not actually in the floaty part of the city. It's about three miles north on dry land.
0: Uh, can we use that term regularly from here on out? Yeah. Yeah, floaty.
2: I, like floaty. I like that. Yeah. And so the actual city of Venice is, is of course, much more than just the little floaty part. It's yeah. a bunch of, most of us on land, dry land. Uh, at 7.30 a.m. November 23rd, Argo 16 took off from Venice Airport with a crew of four. And the plane was aloft for around two minutes heading west. And I'm assuming that because the standard climb rate for the DC-3, as far as I can find out, is about 1,200 feet a minute. Sounds about right. Yeah. And so the plane was reported to have been in an altitude of about 2,500 feet when something went wrong. So that gives them a little over two minutes in the air.
1: Sorry. You may have said this, but I, I may have missed it. The DC-3 is, yeah. the, is what Argo 16 is. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, and I Just said wanted it was make a, sure.
2: I said it was a C-47, so let's clear that up. The The DC-3 was originally the plane, the plane that the C-47 was based on. The Mm -hmm. C-47 is a military version of the DC-3. And
0: and there's variants that have passenger door. There's variances that have a rear door. There's variances that have the tow hooks on the rear to pull gliders. There was a whole slew of versions. Sorry,
1: I just heard you use a term for a plane that I hadn't heard yet, so I just wanted to clear that
2: up. Yeah, so DC-3, C-47, Mm kind of the same thing. Okay. and it was uh, a really reliable plane, and they made tons of them. my, my understanding, about 16,000 overall were built. Wow. Yeah, a lot of them were mm-hmm. built. Yeah. And about 10,000 or so of those were for the military as a C-47. And, of course, Argo 16 was about World War II vintage, um, which would make it about, what, three decades old around the time Ball of the crash? Ballpark. Roughly. Uh, but assuming it was well-maintained, it should have been totally reliable in 1973. Planes aren't quite like cars. As long as they're maintained, they can last a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as the engines are maintained mm-hmm. and it doesn't suffer any major uh, mechanical malfunctions, they're, yeah. they're typically serviceable.
2: Oh, well, yeah, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Argo 16 took off, reached an altitude, like I said, of about 2,500 feet. Something went wrong, which caused it to suddenly lose altitude really quickly. And it crashed in an industrial park about six miles west of the airport. Uh, yeah, and they do have industrial parks in Venice, apparently. Yeah. You don't Everybody s- does. You don't yeah. See, yeah, you don't see those in the movies. Those are no. also not on the postcards. No. no. They're not on
1: the floaty part, so they don't count as much.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's our mystery. What caused Argo 16 to auger in? Oh, yeah. Well, that's oh. a
1: that's a quick little mystery. So it's, this is going to be a short short episode.
2: Oh, well, totally short. In uh, fact, it's, we're almost done. Right. A couple so of we past have theories, and then uh, yeah,
1: five more pages of script. Eh,
2: okay. Only three more. I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, we're fine. All right. So theories, uh, and of course, get you guys feel free to chip in with any theories that you might have. These are just a few of the ones that are out there. Oh,
0: I've got the book.
1: You got the book. Uh-oh. We are going to sell that thing. I swear to God, <laughs> we'll auction yeah. it off somewhere.
0: It's taken three and a half, almost four. Years and I'm about three quarters of the way through. We got a while to go. Well, yeah, I'll just write leave. bigger. Maybe I'll just scribble more in it. Yeah, no, just I'll just it. I'll write yeah. stuff and then sharpie it out. <laughs> yeah,
2: now leave it with me and I will, um, I will scribble all kinds of stuff in it. Uh, so yeah, by the time you get here next week, it'll be mostly full.
0: <laughs> yeah, so first all right. theory, so theory
2: oh, on one. what's our first theory? First theory is pilot error, uh, which was the conclusion of the original inquiry. Uh, they, of course, they had an inquiry, of course, and then. Uh, the Inquiry, of course, has been reopened more than once This has actually been batted about and talked about in Italian politics for quite a long time now
0: The crash of Argo 16? Yeah Oh yeah, it's, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's a big national thing it's, Yeah, it's a big controversy
2: there, yeah uh, But the original uh, Inquiry concluded pilot error And this is kind of a tough one because, uh, frankly, uh, almost all the documents for this mystery are in Italian And Google Translate, while it's not bad, it's not exactly ideal
0: the other problem with all the documents is that they have slowly disappeared over time.
2: Uh-huh. There's that it.
0: is one of the biggest biggest complaints I have seen in the reading when you know when you go through it, it's like there's all these officials who want to investigate and are furious because stuff is just literally missing.
2: Uh-huh. What's going on with that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Make you sure, well. That's why everybody
0: Things sniffs the cover. that make you go. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: That's that's why this is such a juicy little mystery. Yeah, we because... should have
0: nicknamed this the CNC Music Factory apparently. Well,
2: uh-huh. because yeah, everybody's acting guilty, so there must be a guilty secret. Uh, I'm a little skeptical of the pilot error theory, although I I I can see I could sort of see some ways that it could have happened maybe. And by the way, I forgot to mention our pilot's name. Uh, he was Anano Boreo, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. Devin, you're Italian. You pronounce it.
1: Anano Boreo.
2: Okay, sounds good. Uh, he was a very experienced pilot. The plane did not crash on takeoff, okay? So that's where you, that's where pilot air can really come in. It's like you screw up. They forget to pull up quick enough or whatever. Mm. You overrun the, you know, I mean, things like that. He didn't do that. He was well off and supposedly kind of safely up in the air
0: couple thousand feet.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, so uh, I'm not sure what he could have done. But there are a few possible ways. Now, let's suppose that uh, the engines quit. Total loss of power. And let's suppose he turned the plane around and he headed back to the airport, which would be what I would do. And, And he was hoping to be able to glide back and get landed. And supposing he maybe chose the wrong glide path, something a bit too steep, then... You can see where he might have fallen a little bit short of his objective and crashed short of the airport. So I
0: want to ask a question on that. Yeah. I haven't been able to determine this, and I don't know if you have. I mean, I read all the stuff about the fact that the plane crashed, it skipped off a building, and then it ran into the front of another building is Uh where it crashed and caught on fire, obviously, enough but what i could never tell is which direction was it headed when it made that impact
2: well that I mean, theoretically is it should have been heading
0: thing. northish mm-hmm. to for for its intended route yeah so but if it was if it crashed and was heading south that would you know make sense based on what you're saying
2: yeah i you know to be honest i'd really like to know that too again the the stuff that's out there at least the stuff that i can read or get translated by google doesn't really tell you a lot it says basically it went up to 2500 2, feet something happened they plummeted to the ground and crashed and then
0: this. they covered nothing but the political infighting that happens after yeah, that I mean Cause I, that's what I came across
2: yeah I could I could totally be at something like well they flew up they passed they flew past the industrial park by a ways and then turned around and came back because that's actually the kind of the direction they needed to go for their mission which was over the Adriatic Sea, it's you know it's off to the east. So I could see where they went west, turned around, they're coming back, something happens, and then bang.
0: Yeah, but we do, so we don't know what direction it was traveling when it impacted mm, the ground. No. Okay.
2: We don't know that. And okay. It's one of those things, there's a lot, uh, a lot of the details on this stuff are kind of skimpy, unfortunately. Because the documents keep disappearing. Uh-huh, and it's frustrating. Uh, as, but as far as him choosing the wrong glide path and missing his objective, that seems like kind of a boneheaded mistake if he was that experienced of a pilot.
0: Uh, well, I you know, I could actually see though. I, I could see a guy being very confident, and he's going to get these engines restarted. So he spends, let's say. 30 or 40 seconds longer than he should Mm -hmm. trying to get the engines, which you are saying in this, in this supposed scenario died. He's trying to get them restarted. And by spending too long on that, he loses that window of opportunity to get himself spun about and on a good path heading back.
2: Yeah. Or, you know, it it could be too, that he um, actually was a really selfless guy and that, he chose to crash into an industrial park because it's less populated than a residential area. Mm-hmm. So maybe he crashed it there on purpose. It he wasn't, that busy he wasn't of an area it. though. Does, yeah, maybe he realized. Yeah. No, he, he,
0: Did you look at the aerials of that place? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not not densely populated not and this is quite like,
2: you know, the Venice we know, which is pretty densely populated. Right.
0: Yeah. So I I question that. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Well, let's let's get back from that. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's let's look at a, a, another couple of options for pilot error. Uh, another one would be a stall with a tailspin. Mm. So you guys know what a tailspin is, right? Yep. Yeah, spinning. Yeah, yeah. Head. Horizontal
0: to the ground by the tail. Yeah,
2: yeah like yeah. Um, and actually, usually kind of vertical to the ground, kind of like headed towards the ground and spinning around. Loud. Yeah, like you say. And yeah, then, by the tail. Yeah, yeah. Corkscrewing uh, would that be? A yeah, kind of to... corkscrewing yeah. down. Yeah. And uh this is something I learned how to do in a uh, flight simulator. actually, you go up till you, you go up till you stall and then put the rudder on one way or the other, and then you 'll just sort of go over to one side and start spinning and It's pretty easy to handle in a flight simulator I <laughs> <like that>. yeah. <laughs> yeah you are never piloting us anywhere no no I probably not a good idea uh, but the airplane was as far as I know, still gaining altitude, so I could see where. You know, when you're gaining altitude, you're going to be going slower than just flying level and straight, right? Maybe possible the pilot and co pilot didn't realize that they were going slower, kind of, and they were heading towards a stall. Maybe they, maybe their stall indicator was broken, um, which is not unheard of. Yeah. Uh, and supposing, say, the pilot was, uh, was putting the plane into a turn, and then just right about then the plane stalls, well, he winds up in a tailspin. Uh, which are, as I said, generally recoverable as long as you never have, have enough altitude to work with. And get
0: to be high enough off the ground, yeah.
2: Yeah, because stunt flyers do them all the time. And, of course, I do them in flight simulator, and it works out fine for me. But mm-hmm. I usually like a big margin even in flight simulator. Uh, but from what I read on the interwebs, uh, and, and, yes, of course, there are, there is at least one web forum devoted to nothing other than flying the DC-3. Of course. Of course. Yep. And lots of good information out there. Mm-hmm. But according to these guys, the DC-3 slash C-47 doesn't actually recover so well from tailspins.
0: Well, it's an oddly shaped plane. Yeah. It, they call in terms it, of its proportions. Right? I just like
1: in the script he says, and they're not recommended.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tailspins? Yeah. Yeah, okay. they are. Yeah. I mean, this this plane is it is one third wider on its wings than it is long because it's 63 feet long and it's 95 feet across from wingtip to wingtip, which Uh, for our folks on the other side, that's 19 meters by 29 meters. mm -hmm. So it's I can see how that would be rather ungainly and difficult to pull out of a spin. Oh yeah,
2: oh, yeah, definitely. And it's uh, of course, but it, but of course, those big old wings could generate a lot of lift. Well, that's
0: what they're for, yeah. And,
2: and that's why the DC three was so great. It could it could it could land in short little spaces and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. so it was really good for all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, a very versatile plane. Uh, there's still some around, actually, even today, flying.
0: There are a few left, yeah.
2: And actually, uh, we used to have one right here in Portland at OMSI. Did you I, ever see that thing? No, I didn't. Yeah, years ago at the old OMSI up by the zoo, they mm-hmm. had a DC-3 on public display there for many, many years. I
1: remember that. You
2: remember that one? I yeah, do. yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, when they moved down to the river, they got rid of it, which kind of, actually, I'm still kind of angry about. That was, <laughs> that was really cool, and... I'm sure they sold it to somebody who's going to restore it, if they haven't already. Is I it not
1: so. at the Aviation and Space Museum?
2: Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I would Maybe presume that's where that word.
1: It. God, I would but... think
0: that's where they'd send it, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, hopefully they didn't send like, sell it to a scrap yard or we're something
0: like not, that. Probably not, know. You yeah. would think not. Let's yeah.
2: pray that they didn't do that. Uh, well, anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah, tailspins. Uh I don't know. I think the pilots would have had to have been really kind of asleep at the switch for this to happen, mm. although it was early. Maybe they hadn't had their coffee. Did I mention they took off at 7.30 in the morning? Yes. Maybe they just hadn't had enough coffee, and maybe they But But it just seems like that'd be such a boneheaded mistake to That's make. That's a pretty big yeah. stretch. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, and there's one more possibility into the pilot error theory, which is that the C-47 slash DC-3 had a little design flaw in its engines. I don't know if you guys researched this at all, but... Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So if uh, the Captain Boreo was, was it Borreo?
1: Just saying okay. how you're going to
2: think. Yeah, I was unaware of this problem or for some reason he chose to ignore it then I suppose that could have caused a little bit of an existential crisis on the plane. Okay. Um, and so I'll explain what the problem is in a second
0: here. Okay.
2: So it's, that would be a combination kind of, of me- mechanical malfunction plus a little bit of error on the part of our pilot.
0: And and have we said, by the way, that the, the pilot error is the most popular theory according to the original investigations? Yeah, well, not
2: most popular theory, but the original investigation, that's what according they concluded. According to the
0: original investigation, it was the most popular
2: It was the most popular theory, as in that's what... Everybody believed, including right. the public and everybody. In the
0: beginning, that's what the investigators said. Yes. All
2: mm-hmm. oh, right. They,
0: yeah, they were the ones who were saying, "Yeah, it was totally pilot error." Mm. Oh, I know they Why were investigate anymore? Just... It's totally pilot error. Well, yeah. that
1: doesn't mean it was the most popular theory. It just means that it was the one they it chose to believe. It was a government
0: opinion, which is always the most popular, no. <laughs> oh, according to the new regime. I don't know where you live. The government's live. opinion is always the most popular. Yeah, so, so the,
1: yeah. What's our next theory? <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Well, let's talk
2: about another theory. I can just see the 1973 version of the internet. Government says pilot error. Heck yeah, I
0: like that a lot. No, I
2: mean,
0: <laughs> well, let's let's start a letter it, writing campaign. It was
2: a different internet back in those it days. It was, yeah, yeah, it totally was. Uh, well, what's our next theory? Mechanical malfunction. Um, well, so, as I just mentioned, there was a little bit of an issue with those engines. Um, course, this is a prop plane. It's not a jet. Prop plane got piston engines, mm-hmm. and uh, you all, I'm sure, know how piston engines work. If you, if not, pause and go out and do a little work on the internet. And see if you can I'm gonna have that to out. do some
1: work on the internet.
2: Yeah, the the manufacturer, McDonnell Douglas, uh, recommends running these engines full out as much as possible, and the reason for that is apparently with this particular engine, uh, if you run it at less than full RPMs for long periods of time. Uh, then deposits will form at the head of the cylinder, uh, at the top of the piston stroke, from unburned fuel residue, mm-hmm. and you'll wind up with a nice hard ring at the top of your cylinder on the inside. Got that? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I
0: understand. Yeah, I get yeah. engines. So yeah. And, and so apparently,
2: if you if you run the engines full out all the time, then that this, the, that ring does not appear. But if you're if you're running your engine at lower I.P.M.s, then you'll you'll wind up developing that ring probably.
0: And you know, the thing about not running it at full RPMs, at least this is my understanding based on a guy I knew years ago who was a pilot, is he said, you you typically don't want to be running your airplane's engines at high RPMs all the time. You want to be at just the low enough RPM that you're, you've, Got speed, and you you keep lift, but you're not maxing it out, so you're trying to keep it at a lower RPM. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It's kind of like your car. Yeah. I can drive at 3,000 RPMs in second gear, or... 2,000 RPMs in third gear, and I'm going to get better mileage, and it's oh, for better sure. for the engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, and it's the same thing. So I can understand a, a pilot who got the same kind of advice this guy gave me. Yeah, that's right. So, well, yeah, let's run at lower RPMs all the time.
2: Well, yeah, you're going to get you know better fuel economy and stuff yeah. like that. Sure. And so
0: uh, the
1: theory goes that the ring somehow interferes with the engine.
2: Yeah, this ring. Yeah, this this ring of this hard ring of residue. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what happens is that. uh if you've been running your engine at less than full RPMs regularly a lot, then you get that and you get that ring. And then if suddenly, for some reason, with this particular engine, if you suddenly gun it up to full RPMs, what happens is your piston, which and you know what a piston ring is, uh-huh. right? Not the same as a ring on the inside of the cylinder. The, pist- the piston rings actually can hit that hard ring on the inside of the cylinder and break. Oh, and, uh, that's a problem. The, that's a big problem. Okay. It's kind of mm-hmm. cat- in the engine world, that's kind of catastrophic, yeah. actually. Because yeah. those
0: rings keep the oil that's in the engine from going into the fuel system and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And if they start to mix, really bad things happen. Right. Yeah,
2: and on top of that, just having these things break into pieces and, and being stuck between the pillow, the piston and the cylinder wall is also in getting ground in. And oh, yeah, that's, they're going to they're gonna gonna beat good. the hell out of everything. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah.
0: going to destroy it quite yeah. quickly.
2: Yeah, it's bad news. the
0: engines tend to go with several thousand revolutions per minute, Uh that's what RPMs are, Mm -hmm. you can just see how quickly that's just going to destroy something. Well, yeah,
2: you wind up, yeah, your whole engine could just fly to pieces. Uh, I'll get an email from at least one mechanic about that, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Always change your oil. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah that, that actually is good advice. Uh, and rotate your tires also. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's imagine that you're flying Argo 16 one fine November morning. Uh, and suddenly your left engine gives out. And that's not a huge problem because all you got to do is crank up the right engine to make up for some of that power loss. But under the certain circumstances, of course, this can ca- cause our right engine to mm. fail too. And that that's when things get a little serious. that That's what I'm talking about, pilot error, because Captain Moreo, uh should have been aware of this issue with these engines.
0: Theoretically.
2: Theoretically, he should have been. And, you know, again, this is all supposition on my part, too, because we don't know how he ran his plane. He piloted mm-hmm. this thing all the time. He might, he might have run it full out 24-7. I don't know. But just supposing... and. This guy went on long flights over the Adriatic on his radar-sniffing missions. I would not be surprised if he didn't run it full out all the time because mm-hmm. fuel economy and all that stuff. But uh, I guess if this if that's what happened, I suppose you could argue that pilot air did contribute to that crash.
1: So here's another question for you. Yeah. Is that the sort of are those rings? Could they form if you were just sitting on the ground with your props running?
0: It takes a while. It does take for, a while. For it's it takes a while for the for deposits like that to accumulate in an like engine. Days, yeah, we're talking days, weeks, oh,
2: you, hours yeah, months, and hours. Uh, know, yeah. Lots and yeah. hundreds of okay. hours of
0: operation. Okay.
2: Yeah, it takes a long time. It's okay. not going to happen just that morning. Sure. Or it's like the that. same
0: thing. Have you seen those oh, hideous commercials from like Chevron where they show the, the super cruddy engine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that I takes mean, that's a what long I, time to happen. Hap- right, of course.
1: I, mean, I And it's the
0: same thing in this scenario.
1: Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was <laughs> happening.
0: Okay. So, Joe, I I have I wanted to see how, what the service record of this kind of plane was. Mm-hmm. Do you know how often these freaking things went down? You know,
2: I I saw that there were a lot of incidents out there, and I started going through them, and and a lot of them were not through actually a failure of the plane itself.
0: Oh, no, a bunch of them, they flew into stuff.
2: Yeah. Like mountains. Yeah, they flew into mountains, or they got shot down by the enemy, or all kinds of stuff happened. I didn't want to sort them all out and try to figure out how many of them were due to mechanical failure. and. There do seem to be a lot of them. Of course, you got to keep in mind they made a hell of a lot of these planes. So. They did. Yeah, they awesome.
0: did. So, and I understand that I'm I'm narrowing in on a small portion, but mm-hmm. that could be an important portion, because aside from flying into solid objects like mountains. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a number of things that I came across that seem to be issues that were accidents related to takeoff. So I tried to find things that were takeoff only. So there's, like you were talking about, just a random, unexplainable engine failure. Uh, failure. Mm-hmm. But I'm also finding that in terms of like pilot error, which we were talking about before, mm-hmm. It wa- It seems like it wasn't too hard to starve the engine of fuel by leaving your choke on or choking the engine too much. Uh-huh. What's the best way to describe what a choke does? Because nobody has it. Uh, runs a choke anymore.
2: Yeah, I know. It's essentially. It's where you it flood changes, it
0: with more fuel. Yeah, isn't? it changes
2: the the air. It changes the, the air fuel mix. Mm -hmm. that changes that ratio. Which is
0: what typically you would do on a cold engine so that it it starts and it heats up. Mm -hmm. But if you do that and you end up accidentally starving it of oxygen, you can kill the engine. It's
1: like the flu on a fire...
0: Very similar, yes. Fireplace, fireplace. thank you.
1: Yeah, Yeah. or wood stove, or you know. Yeah, you do.
2: You do have. You do have to adjust that as you change altitude. And I I found that out actually some years back when I uh, went on a flight with this guy in a little two seater uh, Cessna. Mm -hmm. We were fly. Went up to fly over Mount St Helens. I was just turning around, just looking out the back window, and just checking out the scenery and stuff. We were well up in the air, and he chose that moment to adjust the fuel air, air mixture. And also, I'm sitting there looking at the back, and all of a sudden, I hear the engine going swat, splat, splat, like that. And I kind of turned around, and I, I can't imagine what my eyes looked like. I'm sure they were as big as saucers. And he he's had,
0: probably having a good laugh. Oh at yeah,
2: you. I, oh yeah, he laughed. <laughs> but yeah, and but yeah, that's what you do is you, you change that mix till your engines start to miss a bit, and mm-hmm. then you crank it back a little yeah. bit. And, and you're so the right so. Mix. That
0: is one thing. Not having enough airspeed can be a problem. There was there was situations where people were. That you know, like a gust of wind helped them take off, and then that disappears, and they don't have their engines going fast enough, so they lose their their loft. Mm-hmm. There was just in general not having enough airspeed, which I think is the ones where people basically ran into the end of the air the the runway. Mm-hmm. Those were the ones. Um, And then like you were talking about stalling and there was somebody, there was one that randomly the rear door popped open and ripped off the plane and then tore through the tail. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of stuff, but I'm wondering though, is that if it isn't, this is kind of mechanical or this might kind of be pilot. Is that accidentally um, starving the engine, mm-hmm. and that would be—it's kind of very plausible accidental thing yeah. to do to, to, to kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, may, or, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Here's the problem with that, though. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but there was no radio communication. There was not between the plane and the tower saying, uh, "We're going down."
2: No, yeah, not that I am aware of, and I, I looked around for that. And I, I saw no indication, which to me tells me that it was not a. It was something very, very sudden and catastrophic.
0: Which mm-hmm. you know, starving the engines by accident, and then. L- losing all loft—that's going to take a minute or so. Yeah, you, you know, all you, your elevation. Yeah. You probably have time to call in. You know, this automatic habit for pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to call
2: the airport and you're going to say, "Hey, uh, clear the runways. I'm heading back your way, mm-hmm. and
0: hopefully, I can get there." Or and, I'm heading here. Please send somebody because yeah, yeah. we're going to go down. It also send a crew seems with a spatula.
1: <laughs> seems kind of like a rookie mistake to me. I mean, it does seem like you a know he a rookie was. Mistake. It sounds like he was flying this plane like almost daily, and mm-hmm. you know, if not definitely at least once a week and yeah i just have a hard I, time thinking that you know he yeah it him.
2: is i unless unless he had a rookie co-pilot and you know he's, he, he just told him to take the controls and then have that well he
0: like, slept off the night
2: before yeah well yeah. he headed back to go to the head or get a cup of coffee or got but no
1: even book. then you know then you call in
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he would still call in um. so yeah the uh the only exception to that one would be if there was a tailspin uh, and then you can imagine that both pilots are busy just trying to pull the plane out of that. And there's no, there's no way you're gonna reach out and like grab the mic and radio something in. Then yeah.
0: it's a four-man
2: crew. I, was I say imagine... there's four of them there. So. Well, yeah, but those the other guys were in the back and they were probably plastered to the ceiling. I think mean, got. It's knows, true from it was the G's. Probably, probably about impossible for them to get to a radio.
0: That's true. I, I, okay. I, I would presume that and obviously i've never flown a plane but uh, not we've done enough plane stories that it seems to me that communication with the tower in a pro, in a, a problem situation mm-hmm. is almost automatic mm-hmm. yeah. it's almost a you know you hit the switch and you you, you start making your calls yeah. even while because it's it's pretty easy to talk and frantically push buttons and pull levers and stomp on things
2: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, it totally is, but if you're some, doing something like a tailspin, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of G-forces as you spin around and stuff like that. Good it's, point. It's, it's going to be hard, I think, to to reach out and grab your microphone at that at that point, really. But, yeah, I mean, but that's just assuming it was a, there was a tailspin. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the tailspin theory because, after all, they did crash just six miles from the airport. Essentially, they got up to 2,500 feet, and then they crashed, well... They didn't really glide that far. It seems like they went up and it basically almost went straight
0: down. Well, they skipped. The plane skipped when it hit the ground. Yeah, it, it's it hit something. It hit a, it was a building or a series of cars. I can't remember suddenly. It hit a of course. you know, and and, stuff. and, and then yeah. continued forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was a tailspin and it was dropping, it should have continued to drop straight down.
2: Well, unless they pulled it out, you know, somewhere at the last minute, and then just managed, you know, so they might have been moving at least. Something somewhat horizontally. Uh, again, it's frustrating with this one. A uh, fun little mystery, and I like it a lot. But uh, I wish there was a little more information. That'd be nice. I mean, for example, I've looked at a few U.S. Uh, air crashes, and I've been able to find like actual reports of the board of boards of inquiry and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and I can find a lot of u- really useful detailed information. Yeah. Ain't nothing with this. No. No. Well, before we move on to our next theory, uh, let's take a quick break.
1: Dave patrols the perimeter dozens of times a day. Whenever he spots a potential threat, he alerts everyone around. He is proud of his work and is convinced that without him, anarchy would reign. The problem is that Dave can't call you at work and tell you what is going on, and maybe that's a good thing since no one can really understand what Dave is trying to say anyway. His nemesis is the mailman. The garbage man is a close second. The guy with the ski mask coming through the back door doesn't really rate because that guy has sausages. Weighing in at just over four pounds, there isn't much that Dave could do even if he didn't have those tasty treats. No one wants to experience a crime firsthand. That's why having home security that you can rely on is essential and with simply safe 24/7 protection with professional monitoring and police dispatch is just 15 bucks a month that's less than half of what a traditional company would charge not to mention simply safe utilizes a lightning fast wireless connection that can't be cut by intruders plus you get an alarm and activity alerts sent directly to your phone so you'll know what's happening so protect your home the smart way visit slash criminal to get 10% off your system today that's simply S I M P L I safe.com slash criminal. Don't rely on Dave. After all, he's a Chihuahua. Or is he the Chupacabra?
2: Mm. Pull up, pull up. Mm. Pull
0: up, pull up.
2: Okay, uh, okay, there we go. We're out of our tailspin. Um,
0: why are why why did you decide we had to go to the simulator? Were you proving yeah, that you know. could get out of that tailspin? spin? was to, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, Why I'm, he will never fly us anywhere. I yeah. don't even know that I want to be in a car with him again.
1: I've uh, never been in a car with.
0: It's it's weird. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. yeah the, uh, I'd like
1: to keep it that way.
2: Yeah, you probably don't want flight simulator guys because they're just not that worried about dying. Yeah. You know? It's like yeah, you can get killed, and it's like hey, what's the
0: big deal? Mm-hmm. All right. So what's our next theory here, sir? Our
2: next one is airframe failure. That's when things like you know wings and stuff fall. The things snap of the, off. The back the back of the plane falls off. Whoa. Yeah. So we've That's all, not
1: great. You know, that can happen?
2: Uh, it has happened, okay, yes. Okay,
1: I guess yeah. I'm walking to Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. Jeez.
2: Yeah, no, the freeway is a lot safer than flying, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we've all not... been there. I mean, you're on a routine flight to L.A. Suddenly, the starboard wing falls off. The plane is, this, is this spinning downward towards certain doom. You sucker punch your neighbor and take her Bible from her so you can pray a little bit before you die. And then you wake up, and you realize it was just a nightmare.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But then you look around, and you realize that, well, you're on a Boeing 737, and the port wing has fallen off. What? Yeah, and your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, so you've got to resort to just begging God to please, please, please let you live so you can give these jerks a really, really crappy Yelp review. Okay. And God hasn't said anything back, and the ground keeps coming closer, and then you wake up. And You're not on a plane. You're not spinning towards certain death. Thank God. I know. And then you become aware that you're on a Greyhound bus being driven by a guy with a hockey goalie mask on who's speeding 90 miles an hour towards a cliff Oh, and at, 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 and at some point, your subconscious just gets bored with all these lame plot twists, and you wake up in your own bed, and you're all safe and sound. Uh,
0: uh, we, we just went through the entire dream sequence, and oh yeah. how does that relate to fa- failure of this aircraft? Well, yeah, I mean, that's,
2: well, you know, some fluke happened. Like, I mean, airframe failure does happen. Like, if you're pulling 9 Gs out of a dive, and your plane is not rated for 9 Gs, well, you could, you could see a plane, like a wing, snap off, or at least bend. Uh, but there was nothing that stressful happening with Argo 16. You know, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, and, of course, this is this is a Wait, very you're talking solid. about in the wreckage? I mean, well, no. I mean, well, one, one wing was ripped of, off. In terms of what they were doing, I mean...
1: They weren't pulling 9 Gs. No, not.
2: They were up. As far as I know, they were either still climbing or they, had, they were leveling off at 2,500 feet.
0: Ballpark, right. Yeah, they
2: weren't, they weren't pulling some you know monster killer dive and pulling out and putting all sorts of G-forces on their airframe. They
0: didn't have enough time. No,
2: not at all. And like so, three minutes. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of with an airframe failure is just uh, sabotage, maybe, um, or possibly, say, a bomb. You plant plan a bomb in the right place on a plane. Well, that's good. That can cause an airplane, an <laughs> airframe. That failure. could,
1: yeah, ca- catastrophic failure. That could, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I believe that is the epitome of. Yeah, you put it in the back and blows the tail off. You know, blows the whole tail of the plane. Well, that's bad news. It's not great. No, not at all. So, but but as far as their airframe failure, uh, I nobody's ever put that forward. I just thought I'd throw that in just for.
1: Well,
0: just for the actually, heck of it. I saw <laughs> some hinting at it. That was kind of cleared up because mm. one of the wings was taken off.
2: But that's isn't that the one that hit a lamppost? On, that on is the still landing? there?
0: Yeah. Well, that was the weird thing when I was doing the reading is that there, and, and the wing hit this lamppost and it sheared, and the wing broke off. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, if that happened, the lamppost would have been destroyed as well. Yeah. And the lamppost is still there. Again, this is one of those things with the reporting on the story that's weird. The, um,
1: sorry, the reports at the time said the lamppost is still there or somebody today The investigators, went out there. the
0: investigators, were, uh, people who had gotten oh, okay. the original investigation. I was like, going
1: to say, well, Steve, they just put a new one back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like, well, what what is your about deal? Too. But yeah. No, that was the thing is that I'm pretty sure it was people in the area at the time who got mm. the report. Like, uh, that doesn't make any sense because I'm looking at it and it shouldn't have been here anymore. Hmm.
2: Hmm. I, it just depends on how stoutly that thing is made yeah. and how you know and how well anchored it was. It also depends on the efficiency of municipal services. They might have been right out there, Johnny, on the spot with a spare and put it up that day. That's true. I doubt that.
1: <laughs> it, was, it is Italy. I, mean, I, know,
2: <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, but, I mean, I, always, I know they have spares.
0: Okay. So, okay. So, okay, so we, I'll let that go.
1: Yeah. Airframe failure, probably not.
2: Probably unless not, there was a bomb. Not in and of itself. Unless there it was sabotage. And I don't know how easy it is like to do subtle sabotage of a C forty seven. Like can you can you sneak inside and, and sort of loosen all the bolts to one wing? I don't know. <laughs> I mean
0: probably not. I don't think I don't think that's the case. No. They probably
2: don't make it easy to do no. something like that. So airframe failure? Probably not. Unless there was of course a bomb.
0: Okay, so you, you've said that four times. I yeah. know you're, you're leading me somewhere.
2: I'm kind of, yeah, this is called, in the literary world, it's called foreshadowing.
0: Mm. Didn't he say that last week? He did. Okay. Did I? Okay. Okay, so that last week was foreshadowing. All right,
2: let's move on to some of our juicier theories. And this is probably the most popular one that's out there, which is the Mossad did it.
1: Who? Sorry, who Who are the Mossad? Uh,
2: that's Israeli intelligence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Mossad actually has a reputation as being a very a very
0: effective bunch. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Did did either of you read through the list of things that they are credited with doing? Oh yeah, holy freaking crap!
2: I know they're 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 good at what they do. They are really scary. They are, yeah, they're totally good. And you know, Israel kind of lives in a rough neighborhood, so they have to be good at what they do, Mm -hmm. and and they are good at what they do. And this particular theory, the Mossad done it, uh, has actually been suggested even by members of the Italian government. Wow. So yeah, it's not just tinfoil hat types on the internet it's actual you know cabinet ministers and things like that like i said it's the most prevalent theory out there so the whole genesis of this story begins in february 1973 uh libyan airlines flight 114 to cairo was thrown off course by a sandstorm and it wound up over the sinai desert um which as you probably know maybe you don't know after the 1967 war the sinai was occupied by israel
0: Okay, right. I'm going to yeah. ask you a whole bunch of questions, so yeah. if you can yeah. preempt those, because that that area is very hard for me to keep straight because there are so many players and so many moving borders.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do shift a little bit, don't they? Yeah. Well, anyway, so it was over the Sinai, um, and it was trying to like turn back, and, of course, uh, Israeli warplanes intercepted it. One of the things the Israelis noted, this thing had just flown, flown over the Suez through a no-fly zone, and Egyptian... Ground defense missiles had not shot it down, which made them a little suspicious. They thought it was maybe a spy plane instead of a passenger jet, so they shot it down. Um, And, well, turns out that was a bit of a mistake. It was full of civilians. Um, All all but, I think, nine people died in the crash. So, yeah, kind of a black eye for the Israelis. Um, And, of course, this was a Libyan plane mostly Libyans on the plane. And Mm -hmm. Muammar Gaddafi, who was the ruler of Libya at the time, was thirsting for revenge against the Israelis. Uh, And so he wanted to shoot down an LL airliner. And LL, of course, is the Israeli national airline. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they decided to shoot one down flying out of Rome. And they wanted to shoot the biggest one they could, which at that time would have been a 747. Okay. So the plan was to shoot down a 747 at... At is it Fiumicino Airport in Rome? Is that how it's pronounced? Sure, Miss Italian girl.
1: We're we're just going with your pronunciations from oh. now on.
2: Okay. So Muammar Gaddafi wanted to mount um, a, a joint Libyan-Egyptian operation.
0: And and again, Gaddafi is in charge of Libya.
2: Of Libya. Okay.
0: Yeah. Got and Anwar
2: it. Sadat, who was successor to Gamal Abdel Nasser, who had recently died of a heart attack, is the, the president of Egypt.
0: How do you keep all that in your head?
2: I know, seriously.
0: I'm looking at my notes and I don't have any of that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, you know, I've been sort of studying this stuff for a while. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. we've got Qaddafi. We, Gaddafi, Sadat, and... Sadat wants to sort of um, pacify Gaddafi, so you know he cooperated with him on this. You could see it was very important to him. And so, since Egypt was supplied with Soviet weaponry, they just happened to have a few extra Soviet SA-7 Strela anti-aircraft missiles laying around. Hmm. That's
0: ground. Uh, that's surfaced air missiles,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, kind of like our Stinger missiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and so uh, the Egyptians agreed to. To help out the operation By supplying them with two of these missiles Which they smuggled into Rome Uh, And they were smuggled in there by a guy Named Ashraf Marwan He was an Egyptian who, oh by the way Was actually working for the Mossad at this time Mm. Yeah he was He worked for the Mossad for years actually Uh, And Ashraf Marwan actually Wound up living in London Where he died in 2007 under What they call suspicious circumstances Mm -hmm. Yeah so there's another Unsolved mystery for us He drowned in an empty tub uh he fell uh, off the balcony of his apartment building. Hmm. Yeah. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. Went over the railing somehow and yeah, so it's considered a mystery. But so he uh his wife actually smuggled him into Rome on a, under diplomatic bag and passed him off to him to Marwan. and and then he had to meet up with these terrorists. Qaddafi had recruited five Black September terrorists too and Black September is a Palestinian group. Called themselves Black September. Named after the events of September 1970 in mm-hmm. Jordan, mm-hmm. which is getting off into the weeds some more, but that's where they get their name from, uh, because that September 1970 is called Black September by the Palestinians because of what happened—the Jordanian civil war—and mm-hmm. they got kind of got their asses handed to them by King Hussein of Jordan, and that's why they call it that. Um, okay, got so it. this this group pops up, Black September. You might have heard of them—the Munich Olympics in 1972. They massacred a bunch of Israeli athletes. That was Black September. Oh, okay. So anyway, the whole, I, I won't get too much into detail about this operation, but essentially Ashraf Morwan had to meet up with these guys, deliver the missiles. So he, he has them in the, the, the trunk of his car. So Five guys? No, he has the missiles.
0: Oh, okay. the
2: <laughs> Yeah, so this is hilarious. He, so they're they're going to rendezvous at this shoe store in Rome, and so they meet up. The, the, the Black September guy walks up to him, gives him the password, the secret code word, and all that stuff. and. And then he says, "Okay, well, you know, I've got I've got the gear that you guys need, so we're just gonna like get it into your car, and you guys can take it back to your place and get ready for the operation." And then the Black September guy says, uh, "What? Well, we walked here. And we don't have a car." And and like, oops. And and they scratched their heads a little bit. And then and then what the, the Black September guys did is they went down the street to a carpet a carpet store, and they bought a couple of big Persian rugs and brought it back, and they rolled up the missiles and the launchers in the rugs. And then they all threw them on their shoulders and, and carried them back. And they went no, they actually went to a subway station and took them back to their place on the subway. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Missed the anti-aircraft missiles rolled in carpets on the on the Rome subway.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. That's but creative. It really is. Uh, yeah. So they got uh, they got their missiles back to where they needed to be, uh, but it turns out that Anwar Sadat actually didn't want this plot to succeed. Um, and he had actually told Ostroff Marwan to uh, rat out these guys to the Italians. But Marwan had already told the Mossad anyway, so the Mossad tipped off the Italians. And the Italians were cooperative, um, and they captured all the terrorists before they could shoot down an airplane and kill hundreds of people. So it was a successful operation all the way around. And all oh, the Italians were kind enough also. The Israelis asked them if they could have one of the Strellas, the anti-aircraft missiles, and the Italians said, sure. They gave them one. Huh. Because they hadn't seen Estrella before. They wanted to take it apart and have a look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But here's where the Italians didn't quite do the right thing. They released the terrorists uh, because they were, they were afraid of terrorist reprisals. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and it, apparently what I heard is they, they tried them, uh, maybe convicted them. I'm not sure how far along it went. But then the, eventually they just let them go. And what they did is they supposedly Argo 16, that's our plane that crashed, Supposedly, it transported those five from Italy to Libya via Malta. And as the story goes, I have heard anyway, is that in Malta, the Mossad agents spotted the plane and figured out what they were up to. They figured mm. out they were taking the Black September guys back to Gaddafi's home place. And uh, that this theory is that the Arga was was downed by bomb or whatever, in retaliation for the release of the Black September terrorists. Hmm. That's, this is a, so that's why, and by Mossad.
0: So what I, so I think, so the reason that they released them, if I understand correctly, is that Italy had a double policy. In other words, because it was fearing getting attacked by anybody, they were, okay, well, we're on your side, so we will totally fight against them. Oh, we captured some of them we're going to return them to their place and make a deal with the place that they came from so that they don't attack us so you don't attack us cuz we'll fight them and we and they won't attack us cuz we fight you and like they tried to be Switzerland in the whole deal yeah it wasn't quite. It, it, uh, but 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 it, uh, it, it didn't work well they're uh, yeah they're a
2: little strategically too strategically located to be Switzerland you know yeah Switzerland's kind of out of the way that works to their advantage but obviously. they were trying
0: to be semi neutral and it just well, they, they went yeah. about it in the wrong way they tried to be sneaky about it.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, they had a thing called the Moro Pact, although that was not yet in place at this time, as far as I know, which uh, essentially said exactly what you're talking about. They agreed to sort of look the other way, as long as the terrorists didn't blow anybody up or shoot anybody on Italian territory, they would let them operate and do whatever they wanted. And so that's a variant on this theory that the Mossad brought down Argo 16, which is that they were retaliating for the Moro Pact. This is named after uh, the prime minister at the time, Prime Minister Moro of, uh, of Italy, uh, concluded a, a pact with the PLO, essentially a mutual non-aggression pact. And so what this was is the PLO, could, they could do whatever they wanted. If they were apprehended, they would be let go. They could actually live in Italy and operate out of Italy even, as long as, this is a quid, the quid pro quo, no attacks took place on Italian soil. That's a variant on this theory because some have said that this is why they, the Israelis did this, brought the plane down as a retaliation for the moral pact.
0: So just, and again, just because I, I need to make sure I'm clarifying the parties here. PLO, Palestinian Liberation Front.
2: And Palestine Liberation Organization.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And they are totally anti-Israel.
2: Uh yeah, very much. So
0: that would exp- so and the Mossad is the Israeli Israeli intelligence intelligence. intelligence. Okay, yeah. so that explains the the clashing of the heads and the, the the reprisal.
2: Yeah, yeah. The PLO is, is actually kind of an umbrella group. It's an organization. The the largest group is in it, under it is Fatah, which is which was Yasser Arafat's organization that he organized, mm-hmm. and some other and then some other organizations also were brought under the umbrella of the PLO. So. It was kind of a somewhat more fragmented thing than a lot of people like to, but but give you it know credible. in general. But general. essentially, but essentially, this represented the Palestinian cause on the one side, and and, uh, and they and they're not totally analogous. I mean, the Mossad is more intelligence and also wet work. They did plenty of wet work, by the mm-hmm. way. You know, you know, it's, it comes with the territory. Uh, but as far as, it, so this being retaliation for the Moral Pact, I have a problem with this, which as far as I can tell, the Moral Pact was not actually concluded or implemented until after December 1973.
0: But if they did release the, the, the five guys, then it could be retaliation for simply having done that.
2: For having released those guys, exactly. So I don't think it was retaliation for the Moral Pact. Because essentially well, there's, those, those, there's those two theories. One, retaliation for the Moral Pact. Number two, releasing these five guys.
1: It could have been pre-retaliation. I mean, you know, if it was implemented in 1973, Uh November of 1972 is when we're talking this happened, right? No,
2: it was uh, November 73.
1: November 73, so the pact was later 73 yeah well i mean and we all know who politics work right i mean it takes a while so if they you know if the Mossad had gotten wind that this was going to happen it could have been like a preemptive like hey don't mm. do this or else you see what happens mm, and they did been. it anyway and you know they well were a warning on. sign yeah
2: obviously this is like you know the Mossad really screwed up because they they brought down this plane and the Italians looked at it and said, well, is there a message here? Well, damned if I can tell. I think the plane just fell out of the sky. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, they, they, they picked the wrong target. Or they For were sure. too good at their job. They just didn't yeah. pick, They just didn't pick, they, they chose to send a rather, a rather garbled message. Mm-hmm. But well, I, it, now, it could thing, be.
0: That, well, no, actually, you know, Joe, I, I, I'll counter that, though. It could be a garbled message. Or it could be the people that they wanted to get the message got the message. They just didn't care. Mm-hmm. That is always a possibility that the guy that you're trying to send your message to, he totally gets it. He just doesn't give a rip.
2: Well, it's you know that, that's the thing about it too is that uh, you know the Italians, if the Italians got the message about the moral pact and they decided, oh, the Israelis are angry, but on balance, the Palestinians are going to murder a lot more Italians than the Israelis are going to. You know, and so well, okay, it makes sense to make the Israelis mad and not the and not the PLO. Okay, there you go, <laughs> <laughs> problem solved. Uh, But as to the other iteration of this theory, which was that it was retaliation for releasing the five black September terrorists, um, I'm not sure exactly. And I looked and looked and looked on the interwebs to find out exactly how long they were held before they were released. I don't think they didn't just automatically catch them and just release them.
0: They, no, they this isn't like fly fishing.
2: No, not at all. They had, they had, they, I, so I don't know. What is it?
0: Spy fishing?
2: Yeah, spy it would be fishing. like spy fishing. I like ah. it. Oh, let's make a movie about that. Spy fishing. But it really is hard to say if Argo sixteen was in retaliation again without knowing exactly when they were released, and also uh, there wasn't a lot of time to mount a retaliatory operation because uh, remember there was the October War in you know from the sixth to the twenty fifth of October nineteen seventy three presumably. That occupied Israel's time and attention quite a bit. Right. So how much time and did they actually have in manpower to downing this obscure plane? Uh, you know, I don't know. And and also there's also the fact that the the Italians cooperated with them. They actually helped to foil the plot to bring down the plane, the, the 747. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. They with gave this. them the missile, and they they actually helped them out in this, in the October War of '73.
1: Yeah, I think overall it's not.
2: Yeah, I a lot of problems. It's not here. the best. It's here. not yeah. good. It's a more
1: fun theory than, you know, they went into a tailspin on accident, but I don't think it's a good theory.
2: No, no, it's not. Uh, But, you know, I think one of the reasons it's popular in Europe is that dark massad plots are really common currency in a lot of parts of the world. Yeah. And especially in Europe, there's there's a lot of, you know. There's a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the Massad. I don't. Yeah, this one just doesn't fly. I don't think the Mossad did it. Okay. I see no reason to do it. Number one, I just don't. Okay,
1: All right. So, so what else?
2: Not there's not a lot else here. But, but there's uh, a lot of people have brought up this this possibility, which
0: is Operation Gladio. Ever heard of Gladio? No. Yeah. I, I used to play Nintendo games, and there was the the game Gladius. Gladius, That's close enough. Okay.
2: That's God, What, it what is. was
0: Gladius? Oh was man. It Gladius? I used to- it was it was Gladius, and I think it was a spaceship game. God, I can't remember. I to, to go home and look that up.
2: If the name, but if the name Operation Gladio sounds familiar, it's because we talked about it in our September twenty first, twenty seventeen episode. Uh, except, oops, I'm giving away our time travel secret. Up, up, up. Okay, never mind. Just blank that out of your head. Gladio was a, it was a shadowy operation. It began at the end of World War Two. And uh, it was called Gladio Operation Gladio in Italy. And as far as I know, that was kind of the umbrella name for the entire operation Europe-wide because there were similar organizations in uh, almost every other Western European country.
0: All under different names.
2: All, with different names, yeah. And, uh, and there were a lot of cells out there. And uh, what these guys were is they were a stay-behind force of commando types, almost like Green Beret types. like Red force Dawn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but these were, you know, hardcore trained military types, and obviously they had lots and lots of weapons caches. These, these and these guys weren't just regular private citizens. I mean, they were government employees. They were soldiers.
0: So the original Red Dawn, not the remake, then.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. They did remake that movie. I haven't seen that yet. Don't. Ah, uh, yeah, really. Okay uh so the idea was that these guys would have they would be sort of deep cover guys and they would stay in place if the soviets invaded europe and occupied europe these people would stay in place and train and arm other citizens and mount guerrilla attacks they were a resistant force yeah a subversive force organize the resistance and that was the plan and that's why of course they had to have. Huge stashes of weapons, which I kind of wonder if they're all if they were all rounded up. but there's still a few out there, that'd be kind of cool. It has been rumored that the some of the Operation Gladio soldiers became kind of a rogue force. In some places in Europe, they were staging assassinations and such on their own. I've never been able to find any con- any real confirmation of this. That's the big question: is like were these guys like disciplined military units who followed orders, or did they go rogue? I I. Obviously, from an internet standpoint or even a literary standpoint, it's more fun to think that they went rogue, right?
0: Right. Well, over the course of thirty years, that's easy to imagine. Yeah, they get kind Elements of bored. Of...
2: They get a little bored, and uh, they've been waiting for World War III for how long now? And then yeah. by the way, we have access to these huge piles of weapons. You know, I can see where going out and then you know, creating a little mayhem would be kind of a temptation.
0: Uh, it makes me think of more than one phone calls slash text messages that I've got from you, sir, which is, hey, you want to go blow something up? You want to go shoot some guns? Yeah, let's go kill something. Yeah. Well, no, you're, you're blowing stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting it.
2: Yeah, just a building or two, you know? No. Yeah, yeah. Just no. Bottles okay. and cans. Just kidding, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I, we all have kind of those uh, temptations, you know, it's fun.
0: But these guys were eventually dismantled. Eventually and in the nineties. They yeah. never really saw any action, so yeah. I mean, we don't know if they were really doing anything.
1: Well, and furthermore, how does it connect to the Argo?
2: Yeah. Well, here is the connection and and this is not well documented either, but it's out there. It's it's a popular theory. Uh, But it's been said that Argo 16, uh, among other clandestine type planes, transported armaments and soldiers for Operation Gladio in Italy. Uh, And that's certainly plausible. I mean, a secret spy plane, you know, transporting secret armaments and and secret commando types. I guess that makes sense. It's not, you know, again, even though I can't document it, I don't know if you guys were able to find anything. Uh, Nothing solid, no. No, yeah, at all. Uh, But the theory on this one is that the Italian government tried to rein in Operation Gladio in Italy uh, starting in 1973, Uh, the reason being, of course, this whole out-of-control thing. They they had rogue elements, and uh, and, you know how politicians are. They just don't like the idea of having people in their country who aren't totally under their control, (laughs) and these people weren't under, you know, they weren't totally under Italian government control. And so the theory is here is that... the Gladio operators retaliated by bringing down Argo sixteen. That was there, and that was there, sending a message: "Hey, don't mess with us! Don't try to close us down and take our guns away." Because we dropped your plane. Hmm. And then the Italian government theoretically backed off. Didn't try to. Didn't try anything more until about nineteen ninety, which was when the whole operation Europe wide was essentially phased out.
0: Well, it, it was uncovered. That it it became a, well, quite public. Yeah.
2: Yeah, some of it became publicized, but also about that time, of course, we've got the fall of the Soviet Union and all that stuff, and so it didn't seem really as necessary anymore. And it'd be interesting, actually. I'm going to do a little more research on this because there's got to be at least one guy who was part of this whole operation who wrote a book about it, and I want to find. I want to try to find that out. So far, I've looked around a little bit. I haven't found it. I haven't found that guy in this book, but there's got to be
0: somebody who wrote a book about it. Hey, Devin, what was it that you said on the last theory?
1: Um, that it. this is really obscure messaging, and...
2: Oh, you mean with, like, Argo 16 dropping yeah. them because of the... Ad-
1: well, yeah,
0: that's,
2: um, that's the the whole thing, is that, uh, well, first off, I can't find any actual evidence or documentation that the Italian government actually made any moves against, uh, Operation Gladio, although, of course, they were super secret, so... So I, maybe, but I then... I guess it would be a secret if they made moves against them.
1: How did the Argo connect to Operation Gladio and... Yeah,
2: again, it's it's like you're sending a pretty garbled message there, huh? Yeah. Because the way I see it, if the Ministry of the Interior is trying to clamp down on your operation, then you want to go bomb their headquarters, right?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I can see, you know, message hits the right people, everything's super secret, so they're obviously not going to come out and say, especially investigators aren't going to come out and say, oh, yeah, these super secret agents that we have that have gone rogue... That we've been trying to shut down and we can't shut down, bombed this airplane and brought it down, and that's who did it. Obviously, you can't say that. I mean, so I can understand maybe the right person did get the message and they did back off, but again, mm-hmm. it's so tinfoil.
2: Well, it is. I mean, it's uh, again, it, it, it just strikes me that you're bringing down the wrong target. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the bringing down Argo 16 is just to me just doesn't send any message at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No problem. They're not the guys. So the Operation Gladio one. But there's another Gladio angle, uh, which is this. It's entirely possible that Argo 16 really was transporting stuff for Operation Gladio. And it's entirely possible that day when, ostensibly, if I can use that word again, uh, sorry, the, the they were supposed to be going off on a radar-sniffing mission over the the Adriatic, Maybe that was a cover for something else. Maybe they were actually taking some armaments and something else from Venice to somewhere for Operation Gladio. Dropping packages? Dropping packages, weapons, whatever. So maybe the plan was to sort of go off their usual route down the Adriatic, even do a little radar sniffing on the way, and then land wherever they're supposed to, offload their cargo. And supposing some of this cargo was eh, a little volatile or somebody screwed up and armed armed something that they shouldn't have armed inadvertently and, and it blows Well, and up. we've
0: talked about that before. Yeah. You have to package and properly stow certain materials on a plane uh-huh. to prevent them from going off.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, what if that was actually their, their main mission that day it was not even radar but to transport some stuff secretly mm-hmm. and then, oopsie, something... Blew up on the plane. Two
0: things yeah. vibrated together on takeoff and caused a co- it combusted. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, things like that could happen. We're talking yeah. about have. volatile things like weapons. Uh, so actually, I kind of like this series because, to me, I mean, the stuff about the more conspiratorial stuff, like the Mossad and Operation Gladio, like blowing it up on purpose, uh, they don't make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, does that make does that I would agree. Do that... you guys say that they just don't make much sense?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. But
2: then again, you know, if the cause was something mundane like pilot error or mechanical, that's you know, super lame. That's super. that's so mundane. Why would that? Why would this stuff still be classified? And why? It's still,
0: and I, I still question it because they went down so fast, and there was no, no no communication that we can find record of.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, so this makes me wonder if, and it wasn't even necessarily weapons for Operation Gladio. It could have been something else, but. If if maybe their mission that day to sniff radars was just a cover for something else, well, what might that have been? Mm-hmm. And could whatever it was they were carrying on the plane have brought that plane down that day?
1: Too bad. Too bad we can't just file a freedom of information
2: that, request
1: yeah. and call yeah. done. No, well,
2: the it done. Well,
0: we know the documents are gone.
1: Yeah,
2: a lot of documents have disappeared. The wreckage itself was chopped up and sold for scrap. Like shortly after the wreck they didn't keep it around for any period of time at all really. which is
1: a little suspicious again well
2: really huh yeah <laughs> you would think yeah of course this is italy they don't have as much room as america has
0: yeah sounds yeah. as if they that's have true. this vast tract of, yeah. of land in the middle of their country that is uh, thousands upon thousands of miles and nobody lives there so let's just put old defunct airplanes on it
2: absolutely yeah. that's what we do here it's well, true <laughs> yeah
1: so any more theories
2: well there's the chupacabra theory <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah.
0: He was smoking on the plane while the red light said no smoking. Yeah. yeah. And that's what caused He it was it to using go down. his
1: cell phone.
0: Uh-huh. Now, hadn't actually, properly turned it off. Well, I got this theory from one of
2: my Mossad contacts. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, he, I was asking about this, and he was like, oh, no, Joe, you were all wrong. It was chupacabra. There uh, Yeah. And, uh, well, apparently what happened is, is they were taking Agent Chupi to train some Operation Gladio guys just in, in the arts of fiendishness and depravity. And uh, things were going to be all good, and then they got it to about 2,500 feet, and suddenly Chupi kind of forgot himself for a moment, kind of went medieval on the pilot and the co-pilot, and, <laughs> you know. And now uh, I'm just kidding. I just haven't implicated Chupi in so long. I feel kind of bad for our Chupi fans, so yeah. I had to throw that one in there. Uh, So anyway, I'm going to go with they had something in their hold that maybe shouldn't have been there. Maybe that wasn't stowed quite correctly and it kind of caused a catastrophic failure. That's kind of what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. But that's just me. Totally agree.
2: Okay. Well, uh, we've got all that out of the way. Now it's time for the important stuff, which is all this housekeeping. I know that at least somebody wants to send me an email about this. So. Uh, let me get that out of the way first. Our email is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and so, you know, if you know about Argo 16, you know, the real story, tell us, we'd really appreciate hearing it. We also, of course, have a website, which surprisingly is called thinking sideways com. Uh, and also, well, of course on our website, we have our episodes out there. You can listen to them and, Unfortunately, no comments anymore. But you know, you can still look at our fabulous website and then listen to the episodes. It's it's awesome, uh, and also you can find us on iTunes, uh, where you can subscribe. You can also give us a rating and a review, preferably you know a good rating and a good review. We like those, and of course you can stream us everywhere, uh, Google Play especially. But there's a lot of other sites too, and you probably already know about that anyway. So why am I telling you? I don't know. Uh, this is a thing called social media You probably heard about this Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit We're out there on Facebook We have a group And we have a page So join the group And what? Like the page? Yep Or do you like the group And join the page? Other okay. way around Okay, alright, there we you go get it right the first time Yeah, and we're of course Also on Twitter Where we are thinking sideways No G there And uh, Devin is our most Serious practitioner of the Twitter It's me Yeah, yeah, yeah So send, yeah, send Devin a tweet And last of all We have a subreddit You guys have all heard of Reddit. Well, we have our own subreddit, our very own subreddit called Thinking Sideways. Uh, It is thousands
0: of acres of land where people store defunct airplanes on. That's literally what it is. That
2: is what Reddit is. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. That's what our
0: Our our, subreddit is. Our
1: subreddit
2: subreddit is. Yeah, Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Or was that literally true?
1: It's literally Uh, true. Oh, okay, okay. I'll take you there sometime.
2: Oh, yeah, I'd appreciate that. Can we fly? What else? Uh, merchandise. I know you're. You've heard this once, and you're just thinking, "Oh my God, I want a T-shirt so bad!" Well, thank God there are places you can get T-shirts uh, and mugs, stickers, all kinds of stuff uh, with Zazzle, uh, Redbubble. Also, they have all this stuff, uh, and you will find that linked. Uh, there's links to them in our website on the right hand side. So, go out there and just buy, buy, buy. Do all your Christmas shopping now, <laughs> and. Um, Uh, That's about it for me for this week. Uh, Again, if you have any special insights into Argo 16, love to hear them. And until next week, uh, arrivederci.
0: Oh, I got nothing. We're just going down. Yeah. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Don't call me Shirley. (laughs)